Hi everyone, my name is Kat Savage and I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and well-being expert working in the creative arts sector. In my line of work, I get to meet some amazing, colourful people, from actors to artists, people who live their lives by their own rules, fueled by passion and determination to bring their unique talents into the world. I wanted to discover what it took for people to leave the usual nine to five and hop on a dream, to capture their bravest moments and share these meaningful conversations with you, so that together we can explore the ideas, emotions and moments that could potentially change our lives too. The Brave Moment podcast starts now, in the middle of the COVID pandemic, probably the bravest moment not only for my guests, but for the whole world. So let's keep talking, have some fun and enjoy the show. On this week's episode, we meet silversmith and sacred jewellery designer Anime Martineau in her workshop to talk about her journey, her passion for incorporating plants and stunning crystals into her work, and why her jewellery plays an important part in people's lives. It gives me great pleasure to introduce you to my very talented friend, the wonderful metalworking goddess herself, Anime Martineau. Anna May, welcome to the Brave Moment. Thank you. So we are recording this in Anna May's workshop, which I, I mean, I can't even describe it. There is so much stuff <laughs> around here right now. <laughs> okay, so I've got my bench, which I'm sitting at, which is cluttered with silver and stones and files and saws. <laughs> and then I've got the big tools over there. Which is a rolling mill and a guillotine, mm. which you're sitting under. <laughs> that doesn't scare me at all. No. <laughs> um, yeah, this is my creative, messy cave. So you are, of course, a silversmith. Yeah. And how did you get into silversmithing, and why? Why were you drawn to it? Of all of the different creative disciplines that could, you could possibly do. Yeah, I think it all started um, about 15 years ago. As you know, I used to work in a crystal shop um, and I was surrounded by crystals all day and jewellery. And just seeing the jewellery that we had there, I realised that I, I was in love with the stones, but I didn't feel that the settings of a lot of the jewellery did the, what did the stones justice. Mm. And I just felt like they deserved a lot more. A lot more creativity. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> no generic stuff in this workshop. Obviously. No. <laughs> Nothing at all. So obviously when you were in that environment and you were looking at things going, you know what, I could probably do better. <laughs> what yeah. sort of educational steps did you have to take in order to make that happen? To be honest, I'm mostly self-taught. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I picked up a few courses along the way, but I've definitely just really played around um yeah just bought some silver had a go <laughs> but built built up a, a tool collection over the years and didn't really do any educational things <laughs> so did you literally just self teach yourself pretty much yeah <laughs> I did I did a few basic kind of city and girls courses on basic silversmithing um basic um stone setting and I used youtube videos um online platforms 
Um, there's loads of groups out there, like um, groups of other silversmiths, mm. you know, Facebook groups, things like that. But yeah, just self-talk. One of the things that I really, really love about your work is that you just seem to almost capture your soul in what Aww. you're doing, which is Thank which is you. so lovely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how do you channel your emotions into your jewelry making? I guess if you had to describe my jewelry, it, it kind of carries the spirit, kind of nature element to it and I think a lot of the time it's led by the stones mm. so often I'll have a I'll have a crystal or I'll have a stone and it'll kind of take me from there really and yeah sometimes I do feel like something else kind of takes over mm. it's all about the stones really it's me. all about the it's stones it's all about the stones <laughs> it's all about the gems <laughs> nothing has changed no <laughs> Do you know, one of the one of my favourite things that you started to do um, was you started to use succulents from the garden yes. in your work. How on earth do you take a plant from the garden and then whack it into a piece of jewellery? Yeah, like what's the process? <laughs> so I started um, growing succulents because I love plants as well as stones, and I. <laughs> Yeah, so I've got a mini succulent garden in my garden, which is just succulents. I'm obsessed. <laughs> really? I hadn't noticed. Yeah, and then I pluck the best ones and I send them away, actually, to a mm. caster. And then they'll have a very in-depth process of casting each little succulent into solid silver and then sending them back to me and then I use those in, in my work yeah it's just so astounding the process that you must have to go to go through in order to create what you do and I mean do you have a set plan when you're making a piece of jewelry or does it just sort of flow through you in the moment um, it used to, when I first started, be very much just flow through, just see what happens. Mm. But now, I, for example, when I do um, my collection work, I'll, I'll have a theme or something that I want to work on, like the sea or the woods or a particular stone, and then I'll explore that stone or that theme and write, draw, and spend a lot of time in that planning process mm. so I can see by all of your tools in this wonderful workshop that you're probably kind of a geek about what you do yes. what do you geek out about when you're working tools <laughs> <laughs> mostly um tool porn <laughs> you heard it here first listeners yes, it's a thing it's a thing yeah I'm obsessed with tools and stones mostly but um yeah, receiving a new tool is like the best, <laughs> the best feeling. I will, I won't let anybody touch it. I'll unwrap it. I'll set it up. I'll be, yeah. Anyway. Does it have its set space in yes. your workshop? Yes, has its set space. Has yeah, yeah, definitely tools and and stones as well. Mm. You can never have enough stones. Do you have space. like right now in the workshop? Do you have one tool that you couldn't live without? My saw, I think, my piercing saw, just over there. Yeah, I use, I use, yeah. A woman with a saw. I know. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, and hammers. I'm a bit obsessed with hammers too. <laughs> hammers and saws. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I mean, obviously you can tell that you're really creative at this point in your life, but were you creative as a child or was this something that came to you later on in your life? Yeah, no, I was definitely a very creative child. I was always the child making, crafting, drawing, journaling, <laughs> making diaries, any anything, arty. Yeah, I, I, I was 
that child. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, your parents must have been insane with the kind of projects that you were coming up with. Like, how would your how would your parents describe you? Do you think? That's an interesting question. I, I don't know, actually. I think my my mum's definitely a creative as well. She's yeah. Um, yeah, she's definitely the arty side. I think my dad, I love you, dad, um, would have preferred me to go down of a more academic route. <laughs> um, but I was definitely not going to do it. So I was always going to be... The wild the child. The wild creative one, not the one that sits in the office. Definitely not me. <laughs> I can't imagine you sat in an office, actually. Uh, you know, no disrespect to people that enjoy that kind of environment. But yeah. um, I'm going to describe to you listeners what, what Anna Mae looks like. She's got hair like Rapunzel <laughs> that she can literally sit on. And that comes with its own set of challenges, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's got piercings and tattoos and she's a very vibrant dresser. Um, yeah, she's pretty wild I, I couldn't imagine you in a nine-to-five office job no <laughs> can you remember like the first time that you felt that this is the thing that you wanted to do for the rest of your life um no not really I don't really have a moment but I mm. do have many moments in sitting here in my workshop when I think wow I'm so lucky mm. to have to, to, to do what I do and to have something that I love. <laughs> I'd say, no, I don't think there was a specific moment, but mm. I definitely have moments like that regularly, I think. You are so lucky. <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> I feel lucky. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you make everything from rings to pendants to all sorts of things. What is your favourite thing to make? Um, I think... Yeah, so not a specific type of jewellery, but just having a whole collection where I know that I have all the time to work on that mm. and really delve in and feel and get a real feel, feeling for it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so one of my favourite pieces of jewellery is one that you made for me at a very special time in my life. And if you've listened to the previous podcast listeners, please do if you haven't already, um, you'll know that I did a very, very long walk from one end of my country to the other. And I asked Anna Mae at that time to make me something which sort of represented what I was doing. And she made me this beautiful... Toltec Thunderbird necklace with a beautiful piece of Cinderella turquoise in the middle and when I wear it and especially through that time in my life it just made me feel more like me how do you think a piece of jewellery empowers a person oh wow well I think firstly well done for doing that walk cat. I can't <laughs> Thanks, quite believe you did that that was amazing and I remember seeing the photos and the <laughs> and following you on your journey I was just so inspired and so impressed Aww. <laughs> um yeah I think sorry going back to the question I think um I think jewelry can empower people it's such a ancient um tradition I think it's kind of seeped in history it can tell a story it can hold so much and I think it can be so individual mm. If that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. And yeah. especially like, I mean, 
just recently it's uh, it's been All Hallows Eve um, in October and, and a lot of people, especially in places like Mexico and, and places like that, they celebrate that time when you have a moment to think about your relatives and you bring back their memories. And when I was sort of laying out all of my family photos over that time to sort of pay them respect and remember them in my mind, I laid out like pictures of my nan with her favorite ring Aww. and then you know my granddad with his favorite compass and stuff it is it's weird isn't it it's like a legacy yeah that people leave and you can hold a piece of jewelry that someone's worn and, and when they're passed yeah. it's even more important isn't it because it kind of weirdly holds their soul do yeah. you find that yeah yeah definitely and then you, and, and you can pass it down so it's something that lasts yeah. forever so it's yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the back of that, do you find it hard to part with some pieces? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and I end up keeping those pieces. <laughs> Good woman. Um, my, my personal jewellery collection is ridiculous and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I and I'm a bit of a hoarder, so if I <laughs> really, I can't tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely find it hard sometimes <laughs> to pass with it. I think the more the more time's gone on, I found it easier to let go of pieces. Mm. And sometimes I'll make something and I'll keep it for a couple of years, and then eventually I'll feel like it's the right time to release it. So <laughs> it's do you know it's such a a, a very significant time isn't it as an artist yeah. when you release a piece of work out into the world and you, yeah. you hope that it goes to a good home like a puppy or something yeah. don't you <laughs> well it's such an expression of you and because I really do put everything into it I feel mm. like it's yeah it's releasing a part of you and you have to be ready to let go of that <sighs> we're getting deep now we're getting deep <laughs> I mean obviously because you take on commissions as well, mm. you must hear so many stories about yeah. why someone's making that piece or asking you to make that piece. Can you recall any of your favourite stories behind some of the commissions that you've made? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, so many. Is I there think... any that stand out in particular? Yes, there are a few. Um... Tell us, tell yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a one lady, this was years ago, the beginning of my career, actually, her... One of, I think it was her mother had passed and she wanted me to make a piece that, with some money that her mum had left her in, a, in her will. Oh. I know. And, and we worked on it together, so we, it was a collaboration. We, you know, we, we designed it together and it was very kind of what her mum liked. I remember putting a flower on there that was one of her mum's favourite flowers and using a stone that her mum loved so much and it was just yeah and to be part of that I felt it was just I, I felt honoured really it's just remembering her mother and, and doing something something that so big for her mm. that was amazing um mm. there's been a few like that and also wedding rings you know when I get asked to make people's wedding rings it's like I I, I feel like really like you want me to be a part of your big day you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's such an honour to be able to make something that is such a significant you know for somebody's significant day um yeah and 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 generally I think yeah making those pieces where where I collaborate with someone else like your Thunderbird necklace mm. some, something that I can design together and we can come up you know with it together it means a lot it means it means more. it means a lot to yeah. me too <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Part of the anime legacy, everyone. <laughs> um, talking of legacies and things like that, you've worked with some incredible people. I mean, you worked recently with an author, didn't you? Tell, tell us a little bit Dude. about that. Yeah, so um, Liz Flanagan, her name was... Her name is, sorry, and she <laughs> wrote a book called Dragon Daughter. Cool title. Yeah. For a start. <laughs> this was back in June 2018. Um, and she asked me to, she gave me a picture of an illustration in her book and said, can you create um, some necklaces for the launch of my book? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I created these four necklaces. Um yeah with yeah they're like with the with the dragon and yeah what happened to those necklaces i think she kept one for herself and gave some to her family and i think maybe she gave one away at the launch mm. yeah that was that was a, wow. that was an honor yeah it's <laughs> a pretty big honor i would say yeah. <laughs> so i mean describe your typical customer um, my typical customer, I think that's a tricky one. Um, I think I have such a diverse range of customers. It's hard to say who is my, you know, ideal or who is the, the most likely person to buy my jewellery. And also because I have an online business, I don't often get to see the people who... Who <laughs> end up with it. Yeah. But I think, mate, I think probably women mm. um that understand my work and mm. have a connection with it because <laughs> um, your work yeah. is quite ethereal i would say in a lot of respects like it's definitely evocative of sort of nature spiritual connection being connected with the land all yes. that kind of stuff so i i i imagine and this is I don't know if I'm being stereotypical here. I imagine them to be quite um, in touch with themselves. Yeah, those kind of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, I agree. And and people that are on a journey often like they'll often Ooh, yeah. I like that. Journey's <laughs> a funny word, I know, but people that um, oh, I I saw this, and mm. at the moment I'm going through this, and it really resonated with me, you know. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So I really so people that are on on a a quest. A quest. That's a better <laughs> word than a journey. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, you work a lot with stones. You said that earlier. What is your favourite stone to work with? And why does it have a special place in your heart? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I know that know this is a hard choose. question. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I think probably opal. <gasps> That's one of my favourites. Yeah, I think... I think out of all the stones, I think opal has a majesticness about it that is almost undescribable and mm. it's almost untouchable and it's almost of not of this realm. I do not. I totally agree. I'm wearing actually an opal ring as we're doing this interview, and um, I always think of it as like it's almost as if you've captured a unicorn in a stone. That's the yeah. only way I can describe it. Yeah, yeah. It's so mystical yeah. and the rainbow quality of it. There's not one that's the same as the other is the same as the other, is there? Yeah, every 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 opal is so different, mm. and there's so many ty different types. And it's it's interesting to see that opal has come into its own in a weird way, because for a while it was considered like an unlucky stone, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> if you weren't in that 
birthstone or something? Yeah, was it? I yeah. don't know. It's weird. It was considered bad luck back in the day. Back in the day. However, I've never experienced that, so therefore, opals, you rule. Yeah, <laughs> I love an opal. <laughs> um, as we sat in <clears throat> Anime's workshop in her adorable house, um, she has two children that have very, very quietly gone to bed this evening. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> How would they describe you and what you do? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I think I think they would describe me as a a maker. Mummy mm. um, makes things in the workshop. <laughs> that's probably what they would say. Um, my son often calls me an artist. So that's quite. That's yeah, nice. That's I like that. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think a maker. <laughs> it's good that they actually know what you do. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they they do it too. I mean, I have do they? I have often, yeah, especially during the lockdown, I've had them in here kind of making their own rings and everything. Wow, yeah. that's a cool mother skill to have. I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're they're interested, and it's like, yeah, let's have a go. Let's not do the schoolwork. Let's make some rings. <laughs> I'm sure that they learn a lot more from that than maybe being sat doing something a little bit more boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you consider to be the most important things in your life? And and how does that affect your work? I mean, obviously, we've been talking about your children. Um, mm. I'm, I'm assuming that they're a very important thing in your life. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. I think family and friends. But I think um, in terms of it affecting my work, I, th- I think being a good role model for them mm. you know showing them that they can do what they want to do and you know pursue any kind of road that they want to go down um is what i'm trying to <laughs> show <laughs> encourage, them. encourage yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what what do you consider to be like your biggest challenges so far in your work being confident mm. and having that kind of niggling voice in the back of your head saying get a proper job or you're not good enough or you know that's that's the challenge I think and it's, that's, it's something that I hear a lot actually from creative people and, yeah. and I experienced this myself that kind of imposter syndrome coming yeah. in and and standing on your shoulder I mean how do you deal with that when it pops in um I take a break yeah I go for a walk I do something else and then I come back to it um because I always use any any I always use jewelry making as as a way of conquering all of those anxieties at the end of the day um but I think it's just human nature yeah you know do you find that um creating then helps with mental health issues and things yeah, like that yeah definitely how do you think it helps I think having a creative if if you've got a creative bone yeah. in your body then use it man it's a massive tool I think it definitely can help with mental health yeah mm. what drives you what motivates you to keep going my kids yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think looking at them and thinking yeah I owe it to them I mm. owe it to the world and like I just said if you've got that creative thing I think you owe it to the world and you owe it to yourself <laughs> if you're a movie title <laughs> oh. anime what would you be? <laughs> I don't know. 
we were trying to discuss this earlier because when I when I turned up at Anna's, she went, "There's one question that I'm not too sure about, and it's this one about a movie title. What what is that?" And um and I suggested that maybe your movie title should be something like "The Long Haired Destructor" or something. I can't even remember. Long haired silversmith. Yeah, I like it. The long haired golden. I don't know. Something with long hair and metal. Rapunzel. Metal Rapunzel. Metal Rapunzel. Coming to a, an action movie station near you. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm so going to call you that from now on. Metal, metal Rapunzel. Rapunzel. I love it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Okay, yeah. another random question. Okay. And it's one I like to ask a lot, actually. Mm. If you were to die tomorrow mm. and be reincarnated, mm. what three things, skills or memories would you take with you into the next life and why? Um, I would take my creativity. Obviously, yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I would take the memory, or if I could take my kids, I'd take them. But obviously, <laughs> if I can't, I'd take the memory of being a mother. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think being a mother has been, but well, is such a, a an honourable thing for me. <laughs> I just feel so grateful to have them in my life. Yeah. Because I know, you know, that not everybody has that. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I take my dogs. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love my dogs so much. <laughs> I'm a fellow dog owner, and yeah. I just can't imagine not knowing. Old Man Coops is his name, listeners. Yeah. He's uh, he's hitting 13 now, bless oh, him. Wow. He looks like an Ewok because he's a Cairn Terrier. And, yeah, his face, <laughs> every morning, he's always delighted to see me, even if my husband isn't. Like, yeah. Cooper is. <laughs> and that makes my day. <laughs> Oh man, dogs are the best. They're so good for the soul. They are. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back. Yeah. I digress. Coming back to your silversmithing. Yes. What do you think makes a good silversmith? Because not everyone has that gift or ability, do they? Let's be honest. <laughs> I think I think don't not being afraid to break the rules and make lots of mistakes. Mm. I think that's how you if there's such thing as a good silversmith, I don't, I don't think there is really. I think, mm. but I think that's on the track is just don't be afraid to break the rules yeah. and make mistakes. Like force yourself to make mistakes because that's how you're going to learn. Yeah, I mean, can you remember some of the biggest mistakes that you made at the beginning? Oh my gosh, I've <laughs> melted so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost diamonds in my floorboards. I've melted people's gold rings. I've done, I've done it all. <laughs> yeah. I reassure you that now she doesn't do this so much. Um, it's debatable. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. So, what advice would you give to those that are thinking about going into jewelry making? Don't let your head get in the way and you know keep going every day and and don't be fooled into this whole thing of get a real job because it is a real job yeah that that's an interesting thing and it, it's something that again I think one of the reasons why I started the podcast and in, in 
you know, this time in particular is one of the things that came out over social media, which every creative artist will be aware of, is, you know, Fatima could have a career in cyber. Yeah. And and it just sort of reinforced again that the creative industries are seen almost like a Mickey Mouse subject compared yeah. to other jobs. I think that's such a valid point that you're making right now and, and one that's so important for people to remember. Yeah. Um, on the back of that, you know, what advice would you give to those people that have started it and thought, oh, no, no, I'm not good enough or whatever? I mean, what would you say to them? I'd say take a break, mm. come back to it and just keep going. You know, remember why you started it in the first place. Remember why you're doing it. Come back mm. to that, um, you know. And, and and persevere um, and it's not easy sometimes mm. I mean the amount of times that I've been in here even you know now still and I'm that's it had enough can't do this anymore <laughs> and I go away and I come back and I go no you know this is what I do this is what I enjoy doing this is mm. what feeds my soul this is what I need to put out into the world mm. this is what I'm going to do so just persevere and keep going I think it's the best advice <laughs> <laughs> um so it's kind of a similar question, but what are the most common challenges you encounter as a beginner and how did you push through them in particular? And I know that obviously on an emotional level, you've kind of explained that, but mm. I mean, on a technical level. Um, the biggest, I think in the beginning is just having the tools and equipment, things like that, the skills. What are sort of the beginner tools that every silversmith should have? Okay, so a hammer, <laughs> a saw, a file. Um, you can do it at a kitchen table. Um, the, and, and, and soldering equipment, mm. I guess, is the, like, the basis, I'd say. And how do you get past being scared of using hot equipment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I think for for me, every time I use my torch, I do it very mindfully. So I mm. just have to take a deep breath every time and go, okay, now it's time for the heat work. So I need to be focused. I need to be ready. Mm. And then I can turn the torch on. Um, but like any like anything, you know, you're fearful. The more you do it, the, the less scary it becomes. And you just got to make sure you're, right, you're in the right mindset and off you go. Yeah. <laughs> Sage advice. (laughs) So if you were to go back in time and meet your 10-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give her and what would you tell her about her life today? Oh, I think think I'd say just keep playing, (laughs) keep creating, (laughs) and it's all going to be okay, I think. That's probably what I'd say. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Do you think she'd be impressed with the with who you've become? I hope so. <laughs> so the holidays are around the corner. I mean, what are you preparing for right now? Yeah, so some silversmiths re- refer to Christmas as silly season. <laughs> um, it gets a bit silly in the workshop. So mm. at the moment, I am. Making stock for galleries, mm. although we are just going into second lockdown, so those mm. galleries unfortunately will be closed. So that's a bit of a. What I mean, what do you do in that situation? Um, well, 
I still make it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've still yeah. got the stock. Um, it's here, so I haven't sent it off yet. Mm. Um, do you think you will, or would you I just will. put it on, online? I'll, I'll probably do a bit of both. So I'll probably put the stuff that I've made recently online, but then send the stock out when they reopen mm. in December. Um also, I'm working on this collection at the moment, the Earth Collection. Ooh, tell me about that. What are you using and what does it entail? <laughs> so I'm using um, the stone, or stones, chrysocolla, and malachite and azurite. So they all, they're kind of bluey-green stones that look like they do look like the earth, don't yeah, they? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the table now and I can see some like silver bales and things like that, but then there yeah. is this ocean of blue, blue. and <laughs> yeah. green and it's a beautiful colour, isn't it? It's yes. really turquoisey blue. Yeah, so and, and each piece looks like the earth. Like there's rivers, there's pools, there's mountains. So I'm working on that at the moment. And what about the, the heads? There's some <laughs> some heads <laughs> with no bodies. <laughs> Yeah, so there's some owl heads. <laughs> Not real owl heads, no. I should probably say. <laughs> no, they're made of polymer clay. I didn't make them, but they will be used with the with the stones in the I mean, collection. They're, they're so detailed as well. I, I know that I've got a piece from you mm. um, which which has a bear head in it in the top of it and honestly when I look at that bear head it comes alive yeah it could speak to me yeah. if I looked at it hard enough yeah <laughs> and they I mean they're so beautiful it must be nice to collaborate with other artists as well and put their pieces in into your work yeah it's such it's such an honor it's such yeah. an honor and I love anything kind of animal based yeah so yeah if I can get my hands on it, and any animal heads to set in silver <laughs> <laughs> again not real ones <laughs> not real ones <laughs> Yeah, then I will. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I don't want this interview to end. I love it in here. No. But, I mean, obviously, the podcast is called The Brave Moment. Yeah. So what do you consider to be your bravest moment, whether that be physically or, or emotionally or spiritually? Mm, I think, again, I think it's those moments when I'm just like I can't do this anymore and just taking a break and coming back to it mm. you know that I think that's probably for me my bravest times is when I go no I'm not going to listen <laughs> to anything I'm going to follow my heart because I know <laughs> deep down that that's what I should be doing yeah so it's it, I guess it's not really one brave moment it's living every day is a brave moment <gasps> Oh, you know? <laughs> we're getting very deep, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> very deep. <laughs> and we're going to mic drop on the message that you would give to the world right now. What What do you want to say to the world in this brave moment that we're all experiencing? Oh, man, hang on in there. <laughs> Just hang on in there because it's a rough ride. <laughs> I think we'll we'll end on that note actually. Yeah. <laughs> We're all gonna hang on in there yeah. on anime sage advice. <laughs> so if people wanna find you online, I mean what should they look for? Yes, yeah, so I'm on um Instagram mm -hmm. and my name is an amazing thing. Nice. Which is I'll spell it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so please it's a bit do. of a mouthful. <laughs> it's A double N A M A I, which is my name. Zing. Z-I-N-G thing <laughs> T-H-I-N-G G an amazing thing um, and then I'm on Facebook as Anime Jewelry Designs and then you can find my shop on Etsy mm -hmm. which is also Anime Jewelry Designs 
Brilliant. Thank you so, so much for having me here on the oh. last final evening of Freedom yeah. before lockdown. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Kat. <laughs> thank you for doing what you do. This is amazing. Oh, mutual Appreciation Society. <laughs> oh, love you. <laughs> love you too. Thank you. I can't tell you how much I admire Anna May and her exceptional talent for her craft. Each piece expresses so much heart and soul, from tiny silver bears walking across crystal mountain ranges to owls surrounded by silver cast succulents. Anna May creates more than just a pendant or ring. She creates worlds. Her skill as an artist just shows us how our ability to create has no limit, how each turn of our hands can create stories, stories that may not have existed in the world if we didn't express it for others to witness. I could spend hours with Anna May. Her humble and gentle manner is as grounding as the air she incorporates into her work. Her strength is intuitive and deeply connected. She is the ultimate alchemist, full of magic and mystery, with long flowing hair and a wildness in her mind that is undeniable in her talent. I've learnt so much from her over the years. She's taught me how to access my intuition, how to surrender, laugh and truly see beauty everywhere. She has taught me that getting on and doing things is far better than just dreaming about them. And if you want to share your dreams with others, leave them in a legacy of art, in a journal or in a form that others can see and experience, rather than just in thoughts expressed only now and then. She takes herself on a vision quest every day, with every design or collection that she conjures up, and then she gives her dreams away for others to wear or whisper with their friends, all whilst holding a hammer, a saw and a blowtorch. She is one who is most definitely unafraid to cause a little mischief and danger to get the dream cast. So let's let go a little in our skill set. Try not to be afraid of getting it wrong and keep at it as opposed to giving up when it gets a little more challenging. Most often than not, when anyone begins in their artistic field, we are a little controlled, restricted by what we feel may be a lack of knowledge or talent. But as Anime has expressed, you can teach yourself so easily these days with the wonder of technology. Try a few artistic exercises to free your hand, your mind or eye for what you're looking at. You may want to read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg, Lateral Thinking by Edward de Bono, Insanely Gifted by Jamie Cato, Still Like an Artist by Austin Cleon, or The Imagineering Way by the Imagineers at Disney's Studios. Take your time to absorb one small part or skill and build on that until you have enough skill to make something bigger or more complete. Patience is most definitely a virtue when it comes to the arts. Try not to overwhelm yourself with expectation. Instead, go into your art and play with the idea. Let it dance on the page or in a lens or action and then just wait and see what wants to come out. It may be unexpected and beautiful in a different way to how you imagined. And that, my friends, is how original ideas come to be. As Neil Gaiman once said, go and make interesting mistakes, make amazing mistakes, make glorious and fantastic mistakes, break rules, leave the world more interesting for your being here. Make good art. 
On next week's episode, we meet the vocal coach and MD from the television series The Voice. We talk about everything from touring with West End musicals to working for some of the nation's favourite shows. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you have a spare moment now, please like, subscribe and tell me your thoughts in a review, which will really help other people like yourself to find the show. Of course, you can also share with your friends and follow us at the Brave Moment Podcast 2020 on Instagram or the Brave Moment Podcast on Facebook. If you're interested in getting in touch, pop on over to the therapy page Coping to Mastery on Facebook or via the website copingtomastery.org. It's been so wonderful to have you all here with me again. Please get in touch with the show with your own stories. And don't forget, your brave moment starts now. <laughs>